the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Philanthropy SA. This is a podcast about and for the philanthropic community in San Antonio and South Texas. We introduce organizations and people who are making an impact in the community. Beneficent Financial is proud to sponsor this podcast, and it is our hope that you enjoy this conversation about the impact we can have. The goal is to edify and inspire. Now, please join our host, Dan Rebman. Hi, welcome to Philanthropy SA. I'm your host, Dan Redman, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Jarrell Flowers. He is the executive director of the Rise Movement here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining me, Jarrell. Man, thank you for having me, Dan. Appreciate you. <laughs> appreciate you. Glad. And we're going to go through our usual uh, kind of approach here, which is we're going to talk to Jarrell about him and what brought him here and why he does what he does, and then want to hear all about the Rise Movement. But I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to give a tease. So one of the reasons that I wanted Jarrell here is because I heard a great presentation that he gave on how to work with younger folks in ministry groups, nonprofits, the workplace in general, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, As somebody who just hired somebody who recently graduated from college, I mean, it really resonated some of the stuff that he had. So what I'm letting you know is stick around to the end because that's where the good stuff is. Or you could fast forward. No, we don't want you to fast forward. That's not good. <laughs> right. And I've never said like or subscribe either. You didn't realize that? I've never said that. I just said it, but I didn't mean it. You don't, I don't want you to like and I don't want you to subscribe. Just listen. Okay. <laughs> um, so here we go. Terrell. Um, so I always ask people how you came to San Antonio. Uh, I have a hunch I know how you came to San Antonio, but why don't you tell us anyway? Yeah. Um, so I was – my parents were born in the uh, – my parents were in the military – um, in Germany, that's where I was born. And uh, when they got stationed to San Antonio, I was about two or so. And then I don't remember anything about Germany. People ask me, like, do I do you know German or do you have, still have a? I'm like, no, 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 I don't. But um, du kannst nicht gut Deutsch sprechen. Ah, das tut mir leid. Ich wohnte dort drüben für fast vier Jahren. And so. yeah, and to that I say amen to whatever <laughs> you do. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so my parents uh, actually ended up getting stationed to Kelly Air Force Base. It was Kelly Air Force Base at the time, so we grew up on base housing and all that kind of stuff. And then my parents got out of the military. My mom first, and then my dad later on uh, after twelve years of serving in the Air Force. He got out of the military, went into full time ministry. We went to the west side of San Antonio, um, and I when I was about ten or so, and then spent a lot of time there until I really until I moved out. Yeah, very good. That, so. Well, that's kind of a classic San Antonio story because so military. many people, yeah, so many yeah. people get their first exposure through the military. And, mm-hmm. um, certainly, that was the case for me. I, I did uh, combat field medic training in, uh, at Fort Sam back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and and all that. And when I got out, you know, my wife said, "I want to live someplace warm," and I said, "I know a place." And then she's <laughs> spent the last thirty-two years telling me I didn't mean this warm. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. But uh, anyway, now that's a classic. That's a classic how you got to San Antonio story. Mm-hmm. So, but you're now all grown up, so you can make your own decisions, and you decided to stay. <laughs> so yes. tell us about what kind of caused you to stay here, and then what led you to get involved, stay involved you know, outside the world of traditional commerce kind of thing in the nonprofit ministerial world. Yeah. So my parents, um, after they got out of the military, they went into uh, full-time ministry. My dad was associate pastor of the church that he now um, is a senior pastor of. So I grew up in church, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so that was that was just kind of all my, day Sunday Wednesday nights yeah, Sundays night. and Wednesdays oh man and and then you got you know some of the Bible studies and all mm-hmm. all these different kind yeah. of things and uh, my my parents again they worked at that church and so late nights uh, we were there you know just doing stuff and so running around being kids yeah. you know and so uh, yeah man I, after I graduated. Um, I graduated from Castle Hills First Baptist and um, ended up trying – I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And uh, I knew I had this gifting to write uh, hip-hop. I never, I hadn't performed at that point, um, but I just knew I had this uh, passion to write. Um, so I, I just thought I was just going to pursue that and then just get a job and just try to hustle and make my music dreams come true. And one person in my dad's youth ministry at the time was like, hey, um, I think your son should go to this place. It's called Texas Bible Institute out, out in Columbus, Texas. And I was not trying to do that. And um, <laughs> But uh, as it happened, um, I got into – I was driving one day, got into a car accident, and the Lord used that to challenge me uh, if I was actually following Jesus or if I was just kind of doing the church thing, was I an actual disciple who had laid down my life to follow Jesus? My my uh, will, my ways. Have I laid that down to follow Jesus? And I said no. I, I after that point, I was like, no, I'm just kind of living for me with the Jesus veneer over it. And so I ended up going to Bible school, which uh, the place where I didn't want to go. I ended up going. Went there for two years, and thank God I did because that's where I met my wife. And um, and so came back, and I was trying to, again, do this whole hip-hop thing. And I was trying to get a job, could not get a job anywhere. Um, like I was applying at all these different places, could not get a job. And then my dad's like, hey, at that point, he had become the senior pastor. And he was like, hey, we might have an opening for a youth position. I'm like, ah, I don't want to do the youth um, and so, you know, so sometimes I say, Hey, I, I wanted to rap to the kids, but I didn't want to like be with the kids. <laughs> and so that was kind of like my story. But, um, in there, uh, again, it was just like this moment of surrender, right? And it was just like, okay, God, do you, is this you? Um, and so I just, I, I did it. And then the Lord just started breaking my heart for the generation and started breaking my heart for the city. Um, just seeing just things happening in the city, man. I'm like, man, we need revival. We need transformation in our city. Um, and so that actually gave lang, you know, my music then began to give language to some of the stuff that I was experiencing. Right. And so, uh, it became that much more effective. And so, uh, yeah, it's the reason why I'm here. I've had like plenty of opportunities to leave just as, as many other artists have right in the city. 
Um, but I really do have a burden for the city, and I have a I have a heart to see the city prosper. I want to see it function at its highest and best. And uh, I'm like, Lord, I'm just I'm here for that, you know. So that's awesome. That is awesome. And so when you you know you mentioned that yeah, there's opportunities, and I mean certainly when you think of you know artistic havens, I mean obviously the coasts and that type of thing, sure. but even like Nashville, and you know there's other places that are better known. Mm-hmm. for their art scenes, and yet um, you started a ministry that is kind of, you know, caters to artistic people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why don't you talk a little bit about the Rise Movement and yeah. the components and all of that? Yeah. So one thing, man, when which one of the things I love about you is that you really do have a heart for revival and for transformation, and so you you get that, you know, you know when you're living in a city – um sometimes the there's nothing happening right there's nothing happening or flowing and and God uses people to kind of be forerunners and uh you know to make things happen in the city you know what i mean or or actually a better way to say that is to partner with him in making things happen in the city because God's always moving but everybody is everybody isn't really uh tuned in a lot of times to that and willing to lay down their thing for gospel advancement right, right. Real, real quick cuz yeah. you just hit on something that's so often we say you know hey i, I need god to be with us or i need no yeah. no no god needs us to be with him right he's there yeah <laughs> he's yeah. you know he's the the path is you know yeah. the when when we're far apart it's not you know him getting closer to us it's mm-hmm. vice versa and anyway yeah. Just, yeah and man and god you know for me like god has a kingdom vision for san antonio right and uh he has a kingdom vision for the creatives here in san antonio and so but a lot of times our eyes are not open to what he's doing because we're kind of focused on, you know, what we want to do, you know. And so for me, uh, the one of the ways that God opens our eyes is through our own need. And then we become the answers to the problems that we're create uh, that that we are are facing. Right. We we now become a solution. Um, we become the answer prayer to you know, the, the prayers that we're praying. And so for me, uh, I was on staff at church. I was also touring at the same time. So touring and trying to oversee uh, worship ministry, arts ministries, all these different ministries. And I got burned out and I felt like I didn't have anybody to relate to as a creative. Uh, I told my wife about it and she suggested that I invite some friends to the house and I did that. And so it was a life-giving experience for me. And I I linked this. It was kind of a lack of understanding of people understanding me as a creative. I, I linked that to the fact that I'm a creative and I, I might be a little bit different than people that I'm encountering. And so I need to find my tribe, find my people. And so I ended up putting this thing out there online about like, hey, any other creatives out there need community, essentially, right? I put it on, you know, we made a little page and for to sign and for people to sign up, and yeah, within two weeks, like two hundred people signed up. Oh and, my goodness! And they're from like different parts of the city, but then of course they were from different parts of the country. People who had uh, followed my music and they were doing all that kind of stuff. So. 
uh, I was like, man, this has a potential. Like, there's a need. It just spoke to the need for creatives to find community. And so, uh, so we started doing monthly hangouts here in the city. Uh, so we started doing house concerts and we go to parks and all these different things. Right. And, uh, just hanging out as kingdom family of creatives. And yeah, then 2020 happened and we weren't meeting anymore. And so after that, uh, I decided to focus on a, a group that was kind of organically forming with, within the wider community. And we started doing some discipleship there Long story short, leaders started coming and saying, hey, I want to lead a group with Rise. So it, start, it started off as this one group, and it's now turned into a network of communities um, called the Rise Movement. So That's yeah, awesome. Man. What are some of those communities? Yeah, uh, man, they vary. So there's a uh, photography and videography community called SA Creatives. There's one for worship leaders called Rise Worship Collective. Um, there is one that's actually a church plant that reaches, uh, college students. It's called Nomadic. Um, there is one called Legacy Lens who, that reaches kids and they're helping them with like videography and storytelling and all these different kind of things. There's a group for pastors and leaders who are trying to equip and establish the next generation. That one's called One City Collective. And, uh, yeah, man, there's just, uh, there's a hip hop community called Rap Society. Um, and yeah, we're, so those are six right now. And then we're, we're planting four more at the end of the year, uh, a prison ministry and other, other ones, but they're all like reaching people through creative means, Mm -hmm. you know? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So as you're, you know, looking around and, and trying to figure out how do you keep all that organized? How do you keep all that? I don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but my wife and my team, they are amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm the, the vision guy. And I'm like, hey, let's, you know, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I had to this year purposefully say, hey, we're going to go deeper, not wider. In other words, we're not going to add more communities. We're going to invest heavily into the communities that we already have and teach them to uh, to make disciples and to multiply. Right. So yeah. that's that's our heart right now. And um, but in the meantime, you know, we have our rise movement is a 501c3 and we have a board. And so we have a director of operations. We have a business administrator. We have all, all these different uh, people that play different roles. So I am not that guy. I'm not the, the organized guy, but my, my team is incredible. So um, they, they help out tremendously. With that. <laughs> it's, Im- it's important to have a good team around you. So. Yeah. And I, f- I feel like, man, with creatives, uh, you can't get like too stiff and like, or like, super structured or it doesn't feel organic and and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, part of it is like we, we want to keep that, you know, we want to keep that and we want it to be an actual movement instead mm-hmm. of an organization that's trying to plant different brands and all this kind of stuff. We don't want it to, be, we want it to be a kingdom family. You sure. Know? Sure. So, um, so I got to ask, you ever get pushback that like, you know, hip hop isn't a good medium for, you know, Christian music and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I've um, so I've been doing uh, you know Christian hip hop for a while, and and I always get, I, you know, I always get that. But it really depends on it really depends on um, the audience though, because sometimes you know hip hop uh, it 
it gives language to urban believers. But when you go to, to places where there's already this kind of outlook about what hip hop is, um, you know, it's demonized before people can even hear the lyrics. You sure. know what I mean? And so, uh, so there's, so there's that aspect of it. And then you have people who are, who, so that's one extreme. The other extreme is that you have people who are, they, they were saved. They came out of heavy hip hop culture. And so the only thing that legitimizes hip hop in their eyes is that it's preaching Jesus and everything else about hip hop is just bad. Right. And so there's the, there's the other extreme of like, oh man, we got to preach, preach Jesus, preach Jesus. And they, they kind of miss out on a lot of other people who were just wanting to hear life experiences through a Christian lens. And they miss out on those, those people because they're just like, it's got to be Jesus or it's bad, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, so you kind of get it from both ends, yeah. you know what I mean? And so, you know, to, to extremes, uh, balance looks like, like, like being lukewarm, you know? And so you just gotta, it's all part of the, part of the process, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're dealing with creatives, it's a situation where there, there's always that issue of taste and what, people like and enjoy and it's like this may really speak to you but it doesn't speak to me and you know that type of thing in Mm -hmm. in that way and so you know it's very hard to in the artistic world it's hard to have something that is universally loved you know along the lines but yeah i mean i i remember back because um Older than you, um, you know. Like, you are, oh, yeah, man. yeah, more than a little. Okay, it's okay. too bad we don't have video here. <laughs> but I wish. But but now, hold on. I am going to call you out because you're, you're a lot older than you look, man. So. Yeah, yeah, I I am, man. I, I would have just. I, I wish we would have just let that slide because uh, well, you know, can... nobody nobody sees the video. Right? That's what that's what I'm saying. That's it. And now and now I got noises. Now coming they got from visuals. My they got visuals. Now. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have to. I'm gonna probably have to. Have Mark uh, cut all this part out, but <laughs> no. So uh, anyway, um, but you know, I remember when like the notion of um, like Christian heavy metal. Oh yeah, you know, striper and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, it was the same type of thing. You exactly, know? it was exactly. it was that that same type of thing. So anyway, I just I wanted to get your take on that because. Before I go any further down this road, it's probably a good time for us to stop and hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Many of you out there care deeply about wanting to make an impact on the world around you. You want to help take care of the people and organizations that are important to you. We understand that because we feel the same way. Beneficent Financial wants to help you. Our mission is to help people like you with professional, individualized financial advice achieve their objectives. Whether your financial legacy will stay within your family or benefit the community at large, we are able to help. Call Beneficent Financial today at 210 210- 999-5511. In addition to traditional wealth management, we offer philanthropic services such as direct donations of required minimum distributions, donor-advised funds, and foundations. Call 210-999-5511 or go online to beneficentfinancial.net. Let us help you do well so you can do good. Securities offered through Momentum Independent Network, member SIPC slash FINRA. Thanks for joining us. This is Dan Rethman. 
with Philanthropy SA, and I'm joined by Jarrell Flowers. He's the executive director of the RISE movement here in San Antonio. Um, and we've been talking a lot about RISE and what it does and all that kind of stuff. But um, one thing that I just think, you know, a lot of people could benefit from is kind of a, a, a synopsis of what you were talking about at the forum back a couple months ago um, when it comes to working with young people and kind of what they're looking for. Because I will tell you that in my discussions with people – from nonprofits or even for-profit entities, one of the biggest, I don't know, hurdles or, or things that seems to cause some issues is some people's perception of younger people's – and they'll use different phraseology, work ethic mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you know, just how do you work with folks that, that outwardly or in, and probably inwardly just – in a sense, seem to value things differently yeah, than yeah. prior generations do. Mm -hmm. And how do you make that work in an organization that needs to be cross-generational and needs to reach a lot of folks and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing? So you did a great job of that, and I'd love to, to give the audience an opportunity to hear that. Yeah, I think um, – well, first, thank you. Um, I think part of that is you know, working with people in this generation, you know, our, the younger generation – uh, you know, every generation has a value set, right? And so if we don't understand what today's generation values, we're going to put our own values as primary and we're not going to serve the next generation by looking at what their values are. And so a lot of times, man, you know, today's leaders, uh, you know, who have built Amazing things, right? They've built amazing companies and, you know, all of these great things that, that leaders have done. You know, one of the gaps, um, especially that the Rise tries to, to fill is, okay, how do we, how do we help to, you know, the leaders of today realize the value set of the next generation? How do we, how do we do that? How do we bridge that gap? And you know, there's a, there's a scripture, you know, uh, in Chronicles, it talks about the sons of Issachar understanding the times and knowing what to do, right? And that is a that's a powerful phrase because uh, there's nothing better to me for for leaders than to understand the times that they're in, not the times that they succeeded in, which was like yesterday and ten years ago and twenty years ago, but understand today's times and then know how to operate in today's times. And so if we're looking at, at today's times, um, one of the things that this generation values is empowerment, right? They want to be empowered. And so you look at, um, you know, some of the revolutions that have happened in, you know, in our country and you see the industrial revolution, right? The, I use this as an example because I think it's so true. Like the, the highest, um, I guess the highest goal for somebody in the industrial revolution at the time was to get a job in the factory, right? This, some guy at the top has built this amazing factory and your highest goal in life is to get a job in that factory. And then hopefully you can work your way up to the top and you can be, you can have a window office and it can be awesome for you. And that, and everybody's just a cog in the wheel, right? Um, we're not living in that time anymore. We're living in a time where, uh, things like Uber are happening where people are like, you know what, uh, how, 
you know, leaders are saying, how can we take, uh, how can we look at people and say, what do you have in your, in your possession? How can we help you make a better life with what you already have? That's what Uber did, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, these guys, you know, these people have extra cars. They need extra money. How can we empower people to live better lives? Right. This is not just this factory model. It's an empowerment model. And so instead of get instead of having a gathering mindset, we're like, OK, everybody gather here and, and help build this big thing. Now it's more scattering. Right. And so people want to be empowered. They're young people. They really want to be empowered. And if they're not going to be empowered to live the life that that they feel like they can live, then they're going to go somewhere else. And a leader of yesterday who's still trying to build the big buildings and the big things, they're going to look at that person and say, man, you have no work ethic. You have no consistency. Why can't you stay here? And why can't you just build? Because when I was coming up, you know, fill in the blank, you know, so it's all it's that whole thing. But the value set is different, right? Yeah. Um, there was, you know, in the Industrial Revolution, people were willing to sacrifice their dreams to, you know, their inner dreams and their inner desires to like possibly have a position at this factory. But this is, that's not where we're at anymore. People are willing to take a risk and say, you know what, because of technology and all the things that are available to me, I can try to live the life that I want to live. And so when it comes to the kingdom, obviously, like we want people to follow Jesus but we want them to follow in a way where it's empowering, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's not like, you know, we're not we're not um, trying to get people to join this factory where you're trying to work to build this big thing. That's it's dead. It's over, you know. So, um, uh, unfortunately, I feel like the church is 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 kind of behind the curve in a lot of ways, and that and that's just statistically speaking, right? The church is kind of like ten years behind culture um, a lot of times, and so. Um, cultures already looking for ways to empower, um, through companies like Airbnb and Uber and all these other places where, you know, Google searches, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's, it's giving people this access to help them build better lives. And so I, I think the church is kind of catching up to that. And I think if we want to, if we want to even have a voice in the discussion, we have to, not be on the tail end of it, but actually I have to lead the discussion in empowerment because, that, and we should, because that's what Jesus was all about, right? Like that's literally the Holy Spirit is empowering us to <laughs> to, yeah. to, to to live out to live out His mission. So that's awesome. So, but the notion of empowerment, I mean, it's not confined to the church by not any at stretch. all. So not at all. So I mean, when we look at you know a generation, and I'm thinking like my kids and and their peers and that kind of thing, um, there's still like Stuff that has to get done mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that kind of thing or boundaries that cannot get crossed or should not get crossed. And and if they do get crossed, there needs to be, you know, some repercussions for that and that type of thing. So how do you marry, you know, that empowerment with a level of accountability, with a level of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, there has to be some standard or something along those lines? How do yeah. you do that? Yeah, well – with uh with creative specifically like um what you can find out really quickly is that there if there are no boundaries uh you you go into no man's land you know what i mean real fast because there's so many ideas and wow look at the possibilities the horizons are endless and we can do this this and this and so there's got to be there's got to be boundaries and so what what i talk about a lot is the core values of 
of an organization or anything like that. If there are core values in place, the good thing is that when those things are in place, you people get a chance to say, hey, this is what I'm about or no, this is what I'm not about. You know what I mean? Like the, the organization, like for Rise, um, we we have our core values, you know, everything from uh, empowering people, uh, amplifying creativity, all these different kinds of things. Um, that putting that out there before people gives people the option, young people, creatives, the option to say, yeah, I'm about that. And I can I can I can live within that or not. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not telling you that you have to, you know, <laughs> we're not our, our core values are are not um, like we're not dictating everything that people are having to do. You know, this it's not like a dictatorship thing, but it, it is boundaries, mm-hmm. you know. And so we're saying, hey, if, if you're going to be on this team, then this these are the values that we expect. And so it's, I think clear is kind, man. You know, so if you're if you're clear about your mission, if you're clear about your vision, then people can say yes or no to it. But if they say yes to it, then you have to hold them accountable to to the value set. You know, so so it is what you said. It's like it's it's trying not to be overwhelming. We we call it uh, in Rise, we call it high accountability, low control. So you're highly accountable to the values of the organization, but you're not being controlled and micromanaged uh, over every little thing, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No, I like that, and and that's the thing that um, because so many nonprofits rely on a group of folks that are very you know, idealistic, and I mean that in a good sense, you know, like they are committed to the ideals of an organization and they want to make the world a better place. Yes. And that's, you know, in there, they already know, especially getting in the nonprofit world, they may make less money doing that and that kind of thing. So they've already given up that, right? Mm. But that whole notion of that, you know, they're not these little automatons that you can just plug and play and say, you know, and and when you talk to people in the in the nonprofit world, both, you know, within the church and secular and, and that type of thing, the notion of the burnout and that kind mm-hmm. of thing that occurs mm-hmm. within that space. Um, I just think that the, your notion of, you know, empowering and giving people freedom within, you know, a structure of accountability and that type of thing is mm-hmm. really because a lot of times they want to come with the structure first. Yes, and exactly. say, you know, here, do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, anything else, yeah, better check with us first on that too. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to the notion of saying, okay, look, we're trying to get this goal in mind. Mm-hmm. What gets us there? What can you do? You know, where do you see your skills fitting into that? And then, yeah. that, and then that other realm. Man, so. it's, it, it is definitely a dance between what we call like relationships and results. Right. It's mm-hmm. invitation and challenge. It's uh, like we want to challenge people to say, hey, you, we want you to be a high performer. You know, um, we want you to follow, you know, our core values and make sure that you're sticking to that. But I think also when it comes to working with um, this generation, right, younger generation, the relational capital has got to be there for you to make the challenge, you know the it's it has to be there and so 
when we're talking about empowering people, we can't assume that we know what empowerment looks like for them without having a relationship with them and asking them. And so if we if we ask them and say, hey, we, we actually get to know them and get to know what, uh, you know, what's in their heart and how they're wired and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, then we can say, hey, this is the best way um, that I can empower you. You know, the, these are this is what we're about. If this is in your heart, this is the best way that I can empower you. And if it's if we can't empower you, then that's fine too. Maybe I can refer you to somebody else who's who's better suited for that. Um, and that in and of itself is empowering as well, right? <laughs> and so, um, but relationship is is key. I, I get so many texts, man. It's just like it's almost overwhelming sometimes. But every you know, these younger guys are like, "Hey, bro, let's hang out." As if you know, uh-huh. as if I don't have a, a whole life of my own. Right. But at the same time, like. I like relationships is to me relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have relational capital, um, people are not going to trust you. And if people can't trust you, they're not going to let you empower them. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And for the record, I've never gotten a text that says, Hey bro, come and hang out. So that's, that's just not, <laughs> except you know, for sushi, maybe, uh, except for sushi. Yeah. Well, you know, now, there we go. There we go. Um, so anyway, no, that's, that's awesome. So let me ask you this. If somebody's like been hearing about all this and they're like, wow, I want to get involved with the rise movement. Maybe they know a creative, maybe they just, you know, want to find out more of what's going on. I know, you know, y'all put on events around the city and that type of thing. What's the best way for somebody to reach out and get involved? Yeah, um, we are on social media, but the best way is our website, which is risemovement.co, risemovement.co, and then that'll take you to – it'll explain everything, all of our vision and our mission, our our pathway for helping to create leaders and all that kind of stuff. And then all, all, all of our social media stuff is there too. So risemovement.co. That's beautiful. Uh, anything else I didn't ask you that you wanted me to, man? Anything you want to talk about or man, no, actually this was this is great. <laughs> this is Good. great. Thank you well, for the opportunity. Uh thank you for being here. Um uh Jarrell, it's always a pleasure. Um hope we get to do some sushi again soon, my friend. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Although <laughs> not eating meat right now, so we gotta wait. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll wait. We'll we'll wait it out. It's okay. We could do tofu. You could do tofu. I could do that. There we go. Or falafel. I can do falafel too. Outstanding. Come on. We'll 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 do a whole review of falafel here once we get <laughs> off air. So I share a love of falafel. Um, for Philanthropy SA, this is Dan Redman just reminding you to do well so you can do good. Thank you for joining us at Philanthropy SA. We hope you found something to inspire you during today's conversation. If you know organizations and people who are making an impact in the community, we would love to hear about it. Until next time, do well so you can do good. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.